Yeah, great is the faithfulness of our God. Anybody here know that's true? Yeah. God is faithful. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Nice to have you with us here in person and online as well. We're in a series called The Miracle Moment based on the book by the same title by our friend and teacher, Nicole Eunice. And uh, the book's getting great reviews, by the way, and I'm so proud of my colleague, Nicole, for her growing influence. Somebody told me they saw Nicole on 60 Minutes a couple weeks ago. Anybody see that? If you're on 60 Minutes, you're either somebody big or you're somebody in big trouble. Um, and Nicole's big with a growing influence. You may not know Nicole's background. She started out as a fitness coach. She wanted to help people be the best people they could be. And so she started with physical fitness. And so in this aspect, Nicole and I have absolutely nothing in common. And then she realized if she wanted to help people be the best they can be, she had to expand that. And she became a, a, a counselor, a family therapist. She had her own private counseling practice. And then recognizing the centrality of spiritual life in the biblical God, she became a pastor ordained in our uh, denomination. And you kind of pick all that up when you read her book. She's like a life coach, kind of right there coaching us in our relationships. Um, that's the theme of the month, relationships. And some of you have asked about her book. I want to clarify this. Uh, the book that she wrote is called The Miracle Moment. And then there's the Participants Small Group Guide. And a lot of you have asked, which book do I need if I'm in a small group? If you're in a small group, you want the Participants Guide. This is the one that we've been selling in the lobby. This would be a nice bonus as well. But you may want the Participants Guide even if you're not in a small group. And here's why. The people in my small group are reporting that the best part of the experience is the daily, uh, the, the daily experiment, the daily writing, the daily devotions that are part of here. So the, there's a small group lesson, and there's five uh, daily experiments, and then a small group lesson and five daily experiments. So even if you're not in a Miracle Moment small group, you may want to pick up a guide just for your own personal study, and there's a handful of these left today, and you can pick one up uh, today in the lobby at the... Uh, current focus kiosk. So the theme this month is relationships of all kinds. And as you've heard, kind of the capstone, the finale of the month will be our marriage conference Friday night and Saturday of the final weekend in February, February 25, 26. You can still sign up for that. I hope you will. In our small group study this week, Nicole Eunice in her book will build the case that the foundation of great relationships is knowing who you are. Being self-aware will help you be others aware. Know thyself. And of course, we live in a day and a time where there are a lot of tools to help us with that. Some of you might be into the Enneagram or the Disc Profile or Strengths Finder or Myers-Briggs or something like that. I commend all those to you. Those are great uh, tools to help you understand how you're wired. But this morning, I'm going to stay in my lane and approach the topic of identity theologically. Who are you? You are a creation of the triune God. Our scripture reading this morning is Genesis chapter 1. Uh, it's a little longer than usual, but I wanted to hear, uh, you to hear read the entire first chapter of the Bible. And reading this morning, Kristen Schunk and her daughter Adeline. Uh, the Schunk family does all kinds of things at Ward Church, but right now Kristen's very involved in, in working on this marriage conference that's going to happen at the end of the month. So would you stand uh, for the reading of God's Word this morning? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated water, the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, in the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of sky to separate day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made stars. God set them in the vault of sky to give light on earth, to govern the day and to govern the night, and to separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which water teems and that moves about in it, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be, be seated. Ladies and gentlemen, the entire first chapter of the Bible 
Uh, knowing who you are is key to relationships. And I want to back into this discussion of who you are by talking about who God is. Because you and I are made in the image of God. Knowing who God is is key to understanding who we are. Now, there are a lot of directions we could take that this morning, but I will focus on the doctrine of the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity. Here's today's topic, the doctrine of the Trinity and what it means for your identity and your relationships. And I wanted to tell this to you because it's quite possible that on this day, when you're out for lunch or you're out shopping somewhere and someone asks, hey, what was the sermon about this morning? I want you to be able to do better than just saying, I have no idea. So when you're asked, uh, you can say, today's topic was about the doctrine of the Trinity and what it means for your identity and your relationships. Let's practice that now. You're off at work tomorrow morning and someone says, hey, you go to church. What was your church's sermon about yesterday? You can say the sermon was about for your identity and your relationships. Yeah, very good. The doctrine of the Trinity, of course, is that core idea that God exists eternally as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. Three, yet one. It's this holy mystery that is woven throughout the Old and New Testaments. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And uh, John's gospel begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word became flesh. That's the incarnation. It's in Old and New Testaments. But a lot of Old Testament scholars like to point out that the Trinity may have been intimated in the very first line of the Bible. You heard read Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Scholars like to point out in verse 1, God the Father is creating. In verse 2, the Spirit is hovering. And in verse 3, God creates through His Word. He speaks the world into being. God says, let there be light, and there's light. And he creates the, the moon and the stars and all the plants and the animals. And there's this recurring line in Genesis chapter 1, after everything, God saw that it was good. Creation is good. And then he gets to the human race, the capstone of the creation experiment. And again, you heard read uh, verse 26. It says in Genesis 1, 26, let us, God says, uh, God said, let us make mankind in our image. And now people have wondered, what's, why is it plural? Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Again, scholars say this could be the Trinity, which has existed since before creation. God exists in this community. Let us make God in our image, in our likeness, so that they, the humans, may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, singular. He's three but one. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. 
Out of all of creation, only humans are said to have been made in God's image. And part of what it means to be made in God's image is that we have the capacity and the desire to design and create and produce and tend. And God gives to the human race that opportunity. God puts them in charge. And part of what it means to be made in the image of God is that we have the capacity and the desire for relationships and for communication. And God gives them the opportunity to do that. They're in relationship, in communion with God, the triune God, and with each other. God gave them everything they needed, and he blessed them. God did not create the human race because he was lonely or bored or needed humans to do his bidding. That's what was said of other ancient gods, not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible created human beings with whom he could share his life and his love. This uh, 15th century icon by Andrei Rublev hangs in my office. Uh, not the original, but uh, a copy uh, gifted to me by a good friend who got it on Amazon. And uh, it hangs in my office. I've always loved this image of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit in relationship, in community, around a table, a common cup that God has existed since before the beginning of time in relationship, in community. Jesus did not start when he was born in a manger and uh, born in, in that barn and laid in a manger at that first Christmas. Jesus was with the Trinity at creation and before creation. We could say in the beginning was the relationship. And for you art critics, this is God the Father. Uh, this side wearing gold, symbol of purity and perfection. Jesus in the center wearing the blue of creation and the red of suffering. And Jesus has two fingers out. You often see this in ancient art. This is not Jesus giving the peace sign to people. This is, this is spirit and flesh commingled. This is God, divinity, and humanity come together. You often see this uh, in, in ancient arts. And the Holy Spirit wearing green uh, with kind of a, uh, a finger extended, almost like inviting someone to the fourth side of the table. And there's this little rectangular hole here, very easy to miss. But some art historians believe that because of the glue that exists in this little hole still to this day on the original icon, that there may have been at, uh, originally a, a mirror that was attached here. Like the artist wanted the viewers to see themselves in the fellowship of the Holy Trinity. That God invites humanity in. The God of the Bible, again, did not create because he was lonely or bored or needed humans to do his bidding, but rather God who exists in eternal community said, this community is so rich, so beautiful, let's create human beings not as gods, but in our likeness, and invite them to share in the richness of this fellowship. I think one of the, the most striking lines in all the Bible is when Jesus is praying for his followers in John 17. Jesus says, God, may, may I be in you, and you be in me, and may they be in us. That the triune God, whose very nature is community, creates the human race and then invites them to bask in the fellowship of the Trinity. This is from Dallas Willard. He said uh, this, God's aim in human history is the creation of an inclusive community of loving persons 
with himself included as its primary sustainer and most glorious inhabitant. God exists in this perfect relationship of community, and then he extends that community to the human race. God made you in God's own image to create and relate and communicate, and he brought you into the glorious fellowship of the triune God. You were made for relationship. Feeling good? Yeah, it's just the start of the story, though. It doesn't end there. Uh, that's Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Genesis 3, you know, the fall happens and uh, sin enters the world. Human rebel rebellion, the humans do their own thing. They sin and community with God and with each other is lost. And all of creation to this day exists in a fallen state. Now, God's imprint is still on every human being. Every human being you see is made in God's image. Yeah, but, but the fall has made the image blurry or marred, just off kilter. And again, you can see the image and the aspects of the fall in every person. So sexual attraction, good or bad? We're in church, but you can say good. Designed by God. God said that the two shall become one. He told the human beings to be fruitful and multiply. God designed that sexual sizzle and put it in the human race. But because of the fall, this often works itself out in really unhealthy ways. Sometimes people end up being treated like objects or feeling pressure to look a certain way, or an extreme form being discarded or abused or assaulted. And so this good impulse of God can work itself out in a fallen world in ways that really hurt people. Ambition, good or bad, can be very good. God created in each of us a desire to contribute and create but in a fallen world, that can work itself out uh, in ways like uh, workaholism or, or greed or lead us to define ourselves by the things we produce or work out as an unhealthy need to crush the competition, right? Desire to be accepted, good or bad? Everybody say good. Good, that's a good thing. God wired us to, to want to know the pleasure of the Heavenly Father and to know His smile. But in a fallen world, it works out sometimes that we seek the applause and the recognition of people who aren't God and do it in really unhealthy ways, or we seek our glory instead of the glory of our God. And every evil impulse can be traced back to a good impulse placed in us by God at creation. You are a God-created, image-bearing, fallen person. You are a God-created, image-bearing, fallen person, and so is the person next to you. And so is the person talking to you right now. And the reason this is a good thing to know is this can keep us from the sin of thinking too highly of ourselves on the one hand and from the sin of thinking too little of ourselves on the other. It's wrong to think too highly of ourselves, right? Pride is the greatest sin. And a lot of the sermons I have heard, a lot of the sermons I have given have been about pride. And especially we religious people are often prone to that. Uh, it's a particular temptation to feel judgmental and smug and proud. But I realize today that not all of you are prone to pride. Some of you are prone to think not too much of yourselves, but to think 
too little of yourselves, to forget that you are designed in God's image, to forget the Spirit of God lives inside of you. And that leads to a whole different set of circumstances. So God creates humans in his image. Humans rebel and, and uh, all of creation is tainted and cursed, but that's not the end of the story. So great is the Father's love. The Father sends the Son, the second member of the Trinity, to redeem humanity from its curse. The most famous verse in the Bible, I'll put it on the screen, but I feel like I wouldn't have to. Um, you know John 3.16, read it aloud with me, please. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. All right, go back to the beginning of that uh, 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 verse again. I want us to read it again aloud, uh, but this time, where you see the world, I want you to instead insert your first name. So I'm going to read, For God so loved Scott that he gave his one and only son. And you're going to insert your name, and we're going to read it all together in unison. Are you ready? For God so loved Scott that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God loves you with a sacrificial love. The Father's love is deeply sacrificial. And this is what led the Apostle Paul to write, if God is for us, who can be against us? And I feel like somebody needs to hear that today. If God is for us, who can be against us? Some of you don't like those songs that we sing that repeat all the time. You're like, why do we have to repeat the words? But a few weeks ago, our worship leader, Kayla, if you were here, led us in a song that said repeatedly, God is for you. God is for you. And it took about 20 times for it to sink in to my soul. God is for you. God is for you. God's not against you. God's not even neutral about you. God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. How do we know that? He who did not spare his own son, this was the love of the Father, but gave his son up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give to us all things? That's the heart of the Father. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. No one condemns. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. This is just tremendous. God not only took on the sin of the world, your sin and mine, died on a cross, rose again for the salvation of humanity. If that weren't good enough, God also right now sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for you. He mediates for you. He's the great connector which is why we pray in Jesus' name. Now, I don't know exactly how that all works, but picture that icon image of the Trinity all sitting together, and I picture Jesus going over to the Heavenly Father and saying, hey, uh, Scott is in a tough place right now. There's a lot of pain going on down there, and he's carrying my needs, he's carrying my, uh, my desires into that Holy Trinity fellowship. He's representing me inside the Holy Trinity. Like in junior high school, when you want to send a message to someone, but you used a mediator. Um, I like you. Do you like me? Would you go tell her that? 
Uh, no, no, wait, 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 reverse that. Say, do you like me? And then say, I like you. And then, and then, and then try to uh, put in a good word for me. You go represent me to her. Used a mediator. And Jesus is our mediator. He's interceding for you and me. Jesus redeemed us and he intercedes for us and the good news just goes on and on. Jesus sends the Spirit, the third member of the Trinity. Jesus said in John's Gospel, and I will ask the Father, Trinitarian, Jesus asked the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is really the forgotten member of the Trinity. Uh, Francis Chan wrote a book about the Trinity, and he aptly called the book Forgotten God. The Holy Spirit does not call attention to himself. He throws the attention on the other two members of the Trinity. Here it says, the Father will send you an advocate, your Bible might say comforter or counselor. The word here in Greek is paraclete. Paraclete means to, to come alongside. The spirit of truth comes alongside you and is in you and with you. As I'm reading Nicole Eunice's book, and I think of her as a life coach, I think, wouldn't it be great if, if I had Nicole with me throughout my workday, like in the staff meetings that I'm leading and with the congregation that I'm talking to? And I'd, I'd even love to have her right there when I'm talking with my wife at the end of the day. I'd love to have that counselor, that advocate saying, don't say that. Um, say this. Uh, be quiet now. Uh, listen to what's being said. Listen to what's not being said. Uh, run away. You know, the, 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 the kind of counselor right there. Now, I think if I asked Nicole to come around with me every day, uh, she would say no. And the reason I think she would say that is because I asked her and she said no. Uh, this is the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your counselor who doesn't stay in the counseling office, but comes with you throughout the day, comforting, prompting, convicting, guiding, helping you see things as they really are, the spirit of truth. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. This, what, a, what a fantastic gift of God. See, you and I have everything that we need. God created you in His image and made you for relationship. Jesus redeemed you and intercedes for you before the Heavenly Father. The Spirit lives in you and guides you in all truth. And it doesn't stop there. The triune God sends you into the world as agents of love. And even the sending is inherently Trinitarian. The Father sends the Son. The Father and Son send the Spirit. And the Father, Son, and Spirit send you. This is why all the great benedictions are Trinitarian. May the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. The triune God sends you. If God is for us, who can be against us? You have everything you need, created and loved by God, redeemed and interceded for by the Holy Spirit, by, by, by the Son, and guided and empowered by the Spirit. Now again, in our small groups, we're going to be talking about how we have to know ourselves and our purpose to have good relationships. If you do not feel the affirmation of God 
you will seek that affirmation in other people and things. If you don't know how to hear the spirit of truth that God has placed inside of you, you'll be more prone to listen to the other voices around you and in you. Your identity comes from God. Ground your identity in the triune God. Years ago, I told you the story about when I volunteered in my son's first grade classroom. This is many years ago. Uh, Friday is my day off, and I went in to volunteer as a classroom helper. And uh, the teacher got all the kids in a circle and said, Connor, tell us, uh, introduce us to your special guest. And Connor uncharacteristically kind of froze up in the moment and said nothing. And I said, I'm Connor's dad. And then he said, well, again, Connor, tell us tell, does what we should call uh, your dad. And again, he froze up. And I said, uh, kids, you can, uh, you can call me Superman. And the kids all giggled. And then I said, no, you can call me Mr. McKee. And with that, we were off to our workstations. And uh, I was the parent helper. And the first hand went up and said, Superman, can you help me with this? And I went over. And this kid was like, Superman, I want help over here. And the kids were Superman this and Superman that. And I went on for an entire year. And uh, I would show up, and the teacher would say, hey, kids, Superman is here. And the kids would go, yay! At the risk of sounding shallow. It was an amazing year. Really, I'd park my car and walk into the building, and kids would see me from the playground, and they would say, it's Superman. And I would go, and, and, uh, and then I would bring in our, our baby at the time, and I would say, and this is Super Baby, and I would fly Super Baby around the room, and, and that's the part of the story that Angie doesn't know about. And uh, yeah, oh, great, for a whole year, I was Superman. Now, next year, second grade, I volunteered. Of course I did. Um, but the classes change, and now only 25% of the kids call me Superman. 75% of the kids call me Mr. McKee because they don't know who I am. <laughs> Third grade, everybody calls me Mr. McKee. I was Mr. McKee again. But there was a time. <laughs> I was Superman. Many years later, my family's standing in line at an ice cream uh, parlor, and I feel a little tug on my sleeve, and, uh, and I hear this voice say, Hello, Superman. And I turn around, and there is the first grade teacher, uh, an amazingly insightful, discerning, astute woman. And, uh, and, and, her, and she prompted me to remember all, all those great memories. She reminded me who I am. Now, I tell you that silly story to tell you this. Sometimes you come to church to feel convicted because that's part of it too, right? The scripture is like a sword. It's like a knife, like a surgeon's scalpel. And sometimes God takes the scalpel of his word and does surgery on our heart in ways that are painful, but they're good and they're healing and they're necessary. And sometimes you come to church to be convicted. And sometimes you come to church to be reminded who you are. You are not some discardable accident of biology for whom God is indifferent. You are loved by God who created you and designed you and placed his divine imprint in you. You are redeemed by Jesus Christ who gave up everything for you, who intercedes for you to his Father. You are sustained by the Holy Spirit who indwells you and guides you. And God gives you a seat at his table and invites you into the joy 
of the glorious fellowship of our triune God. May this truth change us, change our relationships, and change our world. Let's pray. O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in whose name we are baptized and into whose fellowship we have been received. Help us to find our identity in you. You are our creator, redeemer, and sustainer. One God, eternal, and all glorious forever. Meet with us now as we share the bread and the cup in remembrance of your sacrificial love. This we pray in the name of your Son, our Savior, our mediator, Jesus. We pray in his name. And everybody agreed and said, amen.